0: Welcome to Mintcast, the podcast by the Linux Mint community for all users of Linux. This is episode 213, recorded live on Sunday, November 30th, 2014. I'm Rob, and with me on the podcast this week is Joe. Hello. Hey, how you doing over there?
1: Yeah, nice to
0: so We record every, live every other week. Well, mostly every other week. <laughs> Around this time of the year, it gets to be a little bit spotty. So it's been uh, four weeks since we recorded. Uh, but typically it's every other week on Sunday afternoons. Uh, Keep an eye on the Mintcast website um, or sometimes on the Mintcast community on Google Plus for the schedule. Probably the best place to to know when when we're going to be on is to watch the Mintcast website. Uh, Live stream information is over at mintcast.org slash live stream and we are in the Mintcast channel on the SpotChat IRC server at irc.spotchat.org and also in the... um, Freenode server although I haven't even checked there today to see if we've got anybody in the Freenode server uh, there's a few people in there but uh, yep there's Bill M.I. he's over there too he's a little bit uh, ambidextrical and by Kahili Hill and stuff so uh, <laughs> yeah he can be on both sides at the same time I, I have more trouble with that being older as I am. Um, so our pre-show music this week was as it has been uh, for a couple of weeks Um, So those of you that were listening got into that. And uh, so, Joe, it's been a month since we last gathered to uh, discuss and ruminate on the nature of all things Linux. What have you been up to, man?
1: Oh, not that much, really. Just working quite a lot. (coughs) But the exciting news is that I have been... You're pregnant? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, if you looked at me, you could easily believe that. (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's a safe thing to do on a podcast because I have no idea that what you look like other than you're about eight feet tall, from what I recall.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> getting there. But I so you was, were
0: trying to say something serious? Sorry.
1: Yeah, I was given or blagged or hoarded, whichever way you want to look at it, uh, a new laptop, which is Excellent. a Sony, Sony Vaio, which is a Core Two Duo with four gigs of RAM and ATI three thousand four hundred seventy graphics card, sixteen hundred by nine hundred resolution very good. Blu-ray drive and so that's now my main test laptop. Now, I don't know if anyone has seen my uh I don't know what they call it on Twitter, that kind of background picture. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a lot of screens. I tend to hoard technology. <laughs> I've got a lot of laptops and I realized that I have now got I think six functional laptops. <laughs> and so it's just got a bit ridiculous. So I'm going to give one to Paddy and one to Jesse from Lottis and um well, I was going
0: to say that that Sony Vaio that would put it at the very top of the food chain around my place. Other <laughs> than my my um, desktop box that I use for gaming, uh, nothing else even that I have even comes close to that. Uh, so congratulations, well done.
1: Yeah, so that's yeah. going to be my test laptop, which is good in a way. I mean, it's a beautiful machine, but at the same yeah. time, it's kind of good to have an older box to test stuff on from an older, you yep. know, because not many people have got up-to-date i3s and i5s and i7s most people have kind of got older boxes yeah unless you've bought something in the last little while yeah yeah Yeah. but but even then if you buy something new it tends to be um not not as fast the the cheaper kind of hp boxes and stuff tend to be right uh, have Pentiums and stuff, you know the the modern Pentium. Yeah, if
0: you're going to spend a couple of hundred on a machine, then that's you're going to be down in that sort of yeah. region. To, and to really to get a laptop with a Core i5 or an i7, you're spending five or six hundred dollars anyway, probably five
1: or six hundred pounds. Mm. But, but uh, spoiler alert: even this machine doesn't run Cinnamon that well. <laughs> <laughs> oh really? <laughs> yeah.
0: That's interesting because my uh, I've got an old. Uh, uh, it's a Centrino, uh, 64-bit Centrino box. Now it's got a lot of memory. It's got, I think, six gigs of memory for an old machine. It's a mm. five-year-old machine, and it runs Cinnamon, eh, possibly well, not great, I suppose, but well oh, enough yeah, to mean, be able to actually this, this use is it.
1: Usable, but compared to the likes of you know XFCE, LXDE, even MATE, yeah, Marta. yeah, that's. But true. we'll get into that anyway.
0: So uh, I told you I had an XFCE. Um, uh, foo question for you to test your uh, test the metal of your your vast wisdom here. Okay. So, so I fire up my my uh, main studio machine in here, which is a, a Mint 13 Xfce box that's got all the KX Studio stuff on it as well. And so that's why <coughs> I think I mentioned this several times, but I'm still running that because uh, I don't have a mumble jack that uh, is. Uh, compatible with Mint 17. Uh, so the last one I have been able to, to dig up is the, the one for Mint 13. So anyway, I fired this box up and um, all there's something wrong with it. And I didn't really notice it at, at first because it was just doing updates and, and the regular stuff like that. And then I noticed every window opens up in the top left corner and has no window, has no title bar, no... Um, Minimize, maximize, close, you know, the, the window decorations are just missing. I can't resize it, I can't move them around, and all the icons are in the wrong place. And so I'm thinking, what in the world is going on? This thing is completely messed up. So, what do you think,
1: Joe? Well, Bill Myers just said, lost your window manager.
0: Eventually, yeah, it took me about 15 minutes or 10 minutes maybe on Google to track down that, yeah, that's in fact what had actually happened. And that's the first time it's ever happened on this box. Uh, So I had no idea what to do. So I'm out there Googling away on another box trying to figure out what do I do about this. And there were several really very complex solutions suggested. The simplest one uh, that was the one that actually worked in the end uh, was to just open up a terminal window and type in uh, XFWM4.
1: Yeah, and that was based on the... It works.
0: Yeah. yeah, that just fired up the Windows ma- window Manager again. Now, I think I had also deleted um, the session cache as well before I did that. And so I'm not sure whether that was actually uh, necessary or not <clears throat> to delete that session cache. But that's what I did, and it just it fixed it. And there were all kind of, all these warnings on there. Oh, you probably can't do that because, you know, with X running, it won't restart. it. Blah, blah, blah. But I think they were talking about if if it was so badly scrugged that you didn't have a, a launch panel you couldn't get a terminal launched you couldn't do anything like that which is not what i was was in you know i had a panel I had, I had everything except that that i didn't have windows that worked
1: yeah and so this was on 13 was it
0: this is on Mint 13 xfce yeah
1: but which is based on 1204 and funnily enough, I had that same problem. Uh, I put Ubuntu twelve oh four on my mum's yeah. machine, and it worked for I don't know a week or so. And then I got a phone call, that, and you know, someone who it was new to a laptop, she'd only right. ever really used a phone before, trying to explain to me that the window prime had disappeared. <laughs> um, and so eventually, I went round there and realised what's going on here. And my solution to it was actually to um, install mint 13 um, and then st- just a straight xfce on top of that the kind of ugly straight Xf- oh yeah, yeah. R- rather than um you know the the, the mint themed version and she said oh this looks better it's a lot clearer it's a lot easier to see what's <laughs> going on so she she has now got if you imagine a hideous uh, you know default oh, xfce and she's been happy with it ever since and loves so, it oh my yeah. gosh <laughs> because to, to her that's just you know what it looks like and it does the job she can get on firefox so, and whatever so
0: we we understand how you ended up the way you are
1: yeah so that's clearly you got it from your fixed. mom <laughs> oh well yeah <laughs> yeah maybe she maybe. likes a
0: plain black background no decorations no
1: well, obviously, I I forced my taste upon her with the playing. Oh, is that record. what it is? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think she even realizes. I mean, she, I suppose she kind of has because on her phone she has uh, pictures of the grandkids and stuff. So if uh, if yeah. I told her about that, she'd probably do the same. But
0: yeah, maybe so. Yeah. Anyway, that was an interesting. Uh, I, so I still don't know what caused it, uh, and nothing that I read online gave me any indication. I had just done a an update uh, on the thing and. Um, And so I, all I did was rerun the window manager and now log out, log in, you know, everything is fixed. It stays there. So whatever the fix was, it's a permanent fix. So (laughs) I don't know what the deal Uh, was? Yeah. Well, (laughs) permanent until the next time something (laughs) hoses up. Yeah. Right. As permanent as anything ever gets. But Um, other than that, and uh, kind of working on, on the, uh, our main topic for this week, um, through the last month or so, Oh, I did some looking at um, package managers uh, for perhaps a future show. Um, so got digging down in the depths of that and uh, got looking at uh, it's interesting that this happened on uh, uh, on xfce because I have just been uh, poking about in what is a exactly a Windows manager or a window manager rather and and what do they do, and what is one? So, when I found this thing and said, Oh, the window manager's gone, I thought to myself, Oh, hey, I know what
1: that is. Yeah, <laughs> mm. I actually know what a window manager is. So, yeah, um, we should kind of explain why we, there was no show last fortnight.
0: So, yeah, we, we had scheduled a show last fortnight, and then we're going to skip this one because of uh, the U.S. Thanksgiving holiday. Um, and, uh, it turned out that let's see last week there there was a well scott was already out of pocket he was traveling he was not going to be available um and then there was a perfect storm of catastrophes joe you were ill right you were yeah i had man flu i could
1: barely speak and i was barely hanging on so
0: yeah so he and it was funny joe sends me an email and says well I'll get on if if you need me, but uh oh, I'd really feel a lot better if you didn't <laughs> <laughs> and so and I was coming back from Australia. I'd come back in on uh Friday after being in Australia for a week, and so um with me the the first day I get back from a a kind of twelve hour offset kind of trip like that, I'm not too bad. the second day I'm just a bat basket case, so I thought, yeah okay, I could probably get on the podcast, but they'd have to. Put the electric prod to me to make sure I don't go sleep in the middle of it or something. So the the perfect storm of events, we decided, okay, we really just have to let this go. We can't, uh, can't do it. So we decided to punt for a week. So that's what happened last, uh, or punt for two weeks rather, and, and slide the podcast into today instead of uh, uh, last two weeks ago. And, of course, we'll end up with the same number of podcasts because we weren't going to do one today
1: was the original plan but now we are so here we go yeah presumably you had your fill of turkey and all that stuff a couple of days Um, ago then
0: no we didn't uh, i didn't get into the turkey this year That's that's um uh, we uh, didn't get together with family this time my kids are off doing their own thing and so uh, we just uh, my wife and i just had a quiet day to ourselves and cooked a big old beef roast and enjoyed doing that but didn't get the tryptophan high and and all that kind of stuff. So, so of course, now being from Canada, we do a big turkey thing at Christmas, which yeah. in the States here they don't do it. They do turkey at Thanksgiving and a lot of people do ham at Christmas time. So, so I'm still counting on a big turkey at Christmas, but uh, didn't get one for Thanksgiving. <laughs> My belly probably
1: didn't need it anyway and you didn't get into any riots on black friday then trying to no, buy TVs not
0: even, not even online i got looking online and and uh, well so my policy on black friday physically being there there is nothing that i want to save that much money on that's worth me getting up off my chair and going and fighting with those idiots in the <laughs> stores yeah (laughs) i'll pay 100 bucks or 200 bucks more for a tv before i'll do that Mm. so there's a limit i have my limits and that's one of them i did look around online a little bit but i don't know i I wasn't all that impressed by the good friday frenzy this or by the black friday frenzy this year for some reason so Mm. i don't know maybe i'm getting too old for it (laughs) maybe anyway um Later in the podcast, we're going to have a look at the Linux Mint 17.1 Rebecca drop, which just released uh, a couple of days ago. The RC was out uh, a couple of weeks or so back, and so I've been tinkering with it a little bit. But we're going to have a a look at the uh, actual official um release that that was announced i think yesterday was uh because we were talking about oh i don't know if it's going to be done in (laughs) time and as we're talking about it the blog post goes up that says yep there it is there it is it's out so so we're going to have uh uh, have a look at uh uh, at that later on but uh, i guess we should probably spend a little bit of time looking at news first so why don't we do that first So a couple of uh, quick ones here um, related to the um, the Mint seventeen point one actual release in the registered um, just uh, right after the seventeen point one release came out they post a, or put up this uh, article that says we have a winner we have a winner French or fresh mint. Um 17.1, hands down the best beats Ubuntu, Fedora, OpenSUSE, and Elementary. Um and so the uh, uh it's a basically a review of 17.1. Um and they made a couple of interesting comments on that. Um, they said uh mint seventeen point one is the f- first example of what the Mint project team can do when they're focused on their own system rather than on making The latest Ubuntu work with Mint. Um, And so, and they're they're talking about, of course, the Mint decision to stay with the LTS for 17, 17 17.1, and 17.2. And so the promise is that that's going to let them focus more on kind of the minty bits. Um, And, you know, this uh, this review, um, well, they're talking about cinnamon.
1: Well, no, they're talking about both. Yeah, it's mostly cinnamon, but with a nod to maté.
0: A nod to maté here and there, yeah. So, but which is so, it mostly ends up being uh, a uh, uh, a cinnamon review as much as anything, and we're pretty complimentary about it. Um, I didn't see very much in the way of, of real strong criticism. Um, they're saying, you know, they do say maté is taking a back seat to cinnamon. Um, which I'm not sure that's true. I think it's a it's a different group with a different uh, intention uh, on on what they're trying to do. Um, the uh, yeah the main thing that I noticed I I spent more time playing with with mate than I did cinnamon this time uh, was the Compus stuff and they talk about that as well um, that they've got the the Compus, uh the CC sm comp is configuration settings manager is what that stands for um embedded right in there and and they're touting this as being kind of the way to make uh comp is really work Hmm. well um yeah i'll have more to say about that later but uh, i think that is one of the main kind of things i noticed anyway in in booting it up they've um, I guess Maté's revved from the last time. I don't recall what the last um, Maté version was. It's on there. But uh, the main thing that uh, um, that I noticed in in the Maté version was uh, the 17.1 one. Or was the, the compass thing. And the, the interesting thing, though, is that the register guy likes this better than Ubuntu, Fedora, OpenSUSE, and Elementary. I don't know. That's... That's fairly high praise. Do you do you buy that, Joe? you like it better than Ubuntu?
1: I don't see any reason to doubt him, but it's uh, overwhelmingly, it's just a glowing, gushing review, isn't it? Except for there's a, the tiniest sting in the tail where he says at the very <laughs> end, being a bigger fan of Debian and Ubuntu, I'm looking forward to the Linux Mint Debian edition, which will soon be pushing out a release based on Debian Jesse. Until then, I'll be using yeah. 17.1.
0: So that yeah, I did, that is interesting. Uh, we'll have to make sure we c- well, we we will obviously cover the LMD release when it comes out. So mm. yeah, and you tend to be either an Ubuntu or a Debian person. That you know, there's no middle ground there. I think so. Uh, at least he didn't didn't uh, harp on that uh, all the way through. So the other one, um, uh, the other uh, article of note. For some reason, this doggone thing
1: won't paste. That's interesting. No, I already did it. It's in the
0: yeah. So the second one was the uh, PC World one that uh, Mint seventeen point one finally makes Mate's fancy Compiz graphics easy to use. <clears throat> the interesting thing about this this review. Um, mainly of course it's about comp is but uh, it the opening paragraph i thought was really interesting uh, linux mint isn't chasing touch interfaces rethinking the way we use the desktop or enacting any other grand experiment it's just a polished modern linux desktop system and that's why people love it uh, linux mint 17.1 codename rebecca's on the brink of being released continues the mint Linux Mint mission of refining the interface we use every day. So uh, I thought that was an interesting commentary on kind of the state of the the general Linux world that uh, he would say that that Mint is just a polished modern Linux
1: desktop system. But mm-hmm. imagine you did a find and replace for Linux Mint on Linux Mint 17 and replaced it with Ubuntu Mate edition. you think it works exactly (laughs) the same (laughs) well pretty much that's not chasing touch interfaces it's not rethinking the way the desktop's uh, designed and it's just trying to improve it and make it as good as possible
0: so how much of well let's see i was going to say how much of the the ubuntu the rest of the ubuntu policy leakage is there though into ubuntu mate edition i guess um, no more than there would be in mint 17.1 17.1 oh. mate edition i suppose
1: yeah well i mean that's when we get onto the the main segment and talk about it obviously ubuntu mate is going to come up when we talk about the the mate yeah. version of mint so yeah uh, for sure maybe save it for that
0: so uh, mostly this article though is is commenting on uh, it makes mate's fancy Compiz graphics easy to use hmm I don't know, uh, compic, comp is easy to use. I don't know if you're allowed to use those together in the same paragraph. Um, easy to
1: set up, I think is maybe what they get.
0: Well, easy to break too, though. Although I did get, I have to say, I did get uh, my my desktop cube working in Mate. And I don't think I've ever gotten that far in uh, um, any kind of comp is installation I've ever tried
1: to do before. Oh, I, had and this was going in eight, I had that going in 804 back in the day. Oh, did you? Yeah,
0: yeah see, I've yeah. tinkered away with Compis a little bit and never really managed to get it working right. And I always just said, okay, well, this is stupid. I'm not going to do this. Get rid of this thing. Um, but this one, to to that end, was really pretty straightforward to get uh, get going. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Carter wants me to play your quote here, Joe. Uh, yeah,
1: right. Okay, here it comes. You ready? This guy, Gary Newell, seems to live in a parallel universe where Linux Mint does not exist.
0: Yeah, substitute, uh, yeah, PC PCware, yeah. Anyway, you guys know what to do to make that, that sound right, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I thought he was a little bit over the top on, on how easy Compus is, is to make, or is to use in this, and whether it really... I suppose putting CCSM in there um, has made it um, easy enough to use. And I, I I have to say, you know, Bill M.I. says he's got Compiz already in 17, um, 17.0. And I don't know, um, was that easy to install then? Or I didn't even try it because I thought, okay, I've fiddled with this thing before and I didn't
1: like it then. And it's not worth the effort. So, um well, the answer to that is it easy. It's not trivial, put it that way. It's not a, not a checkbox and a logout, log in.
0: The way it is in 17.1 now. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I suppose that makes it easier to do because they've done... Uh, yeah, so Bill M. I says it's not hard if, if you've done it before. Uh, I see, yeah. <laughs> as if as you've successfully done it before, right, yeah. So I think uh, I had never successfully done it before, so it wouldn't have been... It all that easy uh, bill was also saying that he was very familiar with this problem that i was describing at the top of the show about the window de- decks decorations and stuff going away because uh, he runs compus. and so i infer from that that it uh you routinely have it it um, roll over and die or do something goofy on you so we'll see um you know I'm i've been running this for what all of two days now um so we'll see how how survivable it is how often there are comp- is problems uh with this to see whether this is uh, was actually justified um so the his commentary on cinnamon 2.4 um i he didn't actually say this i don't think but the implications that i got was that he felt like cinnamon uh, the 2.4 cinnamon um was going to be better on um, lower spec hardware. Now, maybe I was reading too much into what he was saying. He was talking about a smoother experience and no memory leaks and reduced memory and uh, icon time, load time should be reduced. Um, I, I'm i not sure I buy this, that it, it didn't feel very much faster to me than the older versions of Cinnamon, but uh, I don't know not sure whether you noticed it being much faster or not. You had said that I wouldn't that it didn't run on your uh, your new box all that well, so.
1: Yeah, it's um I think that there are some aspects that are faster and some that are slower really. It's uh, Yeah. It's yeah, it's kind of a bit of both really.
0: All right. Well, so we're going to have a lot more to say about uh, 17.1, but I wanted to pick on those two kind of news topics uh just to, you know, the the general sense that I get of the community's response to 7.1, the RCN, and, and now what I've seen of the the actual release has been pretty positive. People seem to think, yeah, this is a good release, and and uh, so I'm, I'm, I've yet to see the the wholesale kind of negative. Um, this is a big waste of time. And there's enough eye candy in there that it's there's new stuff in there, I guess, so people like it. So. Mm-hmm.
1: all right moving right along um let's see do you want to talk about this system d1 yeah so <laughs> the debian camp has been all over the place in the last month since we did one of these shows and we've talked about it on linux like to get the plug interesting uh-huh and there's been all sorts of resignations there was a, a vote uh, on trying to make it so that system d was not the only possible init system and there was a threat of a fork and now, sure enough, it has happened and it's called Dev1 and it's spelt D-E-V-U-A-N so it's not... Uh, <laughs> of course. Ad, but Dev1 is uh, presumably some sort of pun on um, the fact that it's PID1 or something, maybe. Yeah. And, and it's supposedly these greybeard Debian developers have have forked Debian now i really don't know what to think about this i need to ask paddy so he can tell me what to think (laughs) but it's it can't be a it can't be a good thing to to have a fork of debian although some would argue that ubuntu is a fork of debian and therefore linux mint is and
0: lmde is a fork of debian and
1: yeah but is is that really a fork or is it just a a derivative where where do you draw that line
0: Yeah. Okay. So I guess how I would draw that line is, you know, are they going to use as Debian um, moves forward and introduce, you know, adds new packages and and changes, are they going to treat Debian like an upstream sort of to this guy? Or are they going to, you know, when you fork the code, you say, okay, you go off in your direction, I'm going in my direction and changes that you put in are not necessarily going to make it back into mine. Um, this feels well, more like a fork, right? Because it, well, System D is pretty fun, foundational.
1: Yeah, well, the, the crux of it is this that System D is not just an init system. It is essentially taking over, slowly but surely, the whole Linux operating system to the point where so many things depend on it, like GNOME, for example, that you won't be able to run those things without systemd and so you effectively have a homogenization of linux where all of the distros are essentially the same as red hat which is really going for the gnome thing and the uh, and obviously systemd and this is something that i've heard more and more about over the last year and now it's been said uh, explicitly by this group of developers who have forked Debian and they're saying that it's, you, you can't expect to have other init systems working with Debian or any other distro, if you have system D because so much stuff depends on system D. So it's, it's kind of a binary situation. You can't have system D and SysV in it and upstart Within the same distro, because system D is just so all pervasive, and and certainly it's getting more and more so with with every week that passes.
0: So, let me think through this um, out loud. Always a dangerous thing. (laughs) So, let's say, yeah, we want to have, we want to continue to support SysVNet and system D. Um, so it's going to it's going to be an alternative, right? You can do one or the other, and so as a package developer, then uh, what does that mean? That means now that well, so things start to depend more and more on on system D. So I take it that means that um, my my thing that I'm my code that I'm developing, I'm going to start writing. There will be a system D version and a init version, and they will be different code. I'll have to run them differently. Um, you know, I'm, I understand the the desire to kind of keep things separate, in the sense that um, you know we don't want to don't want to uh, well I was going to say pollute, but we don't don't want to corrupt or or keep the uh, um, um, force people into using um, a particular style of Linux or a particular uh, way of working with Linux. But then, you know, we're doing that anyway. It's Linux, not, not Windows. Okay, so or Linux, not BSD. So code that I write for Linux won't run on BSD. Generally, won't run on on Windows. Typically, um, I guess I'm I'm
1: puzzled by what the real complaint actually is. You're puzzled by what the complaint is. Okay, supposing you want to run Gnome. Supposing that you live in an alternative universe where Gnome <laughs> Shell is is good and you think it's really productive and you really, really like it. Well, essentially, you're only really going to be able to run that on a system that has a System D in it. And so because um, Gnome depends on System D, you, if you want to have another system... Uh, if if you want to install gnome on another system like b s d is a perfect example of that or a, an older distro or a distro that wanted to stick with uh sys five in it, then you won't be able to run it
0: okay so the problem is not so much system d the problem is that there's no there's gonna be no gnome for well, no, i mean it.
1: The, that that's a that's an example of one of the reasons why it's not good. The, the, obviously the, the binary logs argument, and you know, there's been so much said on the internet. You can research it all you want, but the, the, the fact is that it's changing well, preser- way-
0: preserving both is what I'm, I'm go- you know, why can't we just have both? And, and I guess the biggest reason is things like gnome would have, there would have to be two versions of gnome.
1: Yeah, you can't have syst- system D with other init systems. It just it, it you have to go for that or others, because you ha- the, the way the rest of the system works is all dependent on system D. So at this point in Debian, we're at a, a crucial fork in the road, literally fork in the code, hmm. where you can take Debian now and have it um, init system independent. But the the further they they get with System D, the the more it's the less possible it is to go with another init system, and so it's all about choice, isn't it? The whole Linux thing is about choice, and so the the, the argument that I can see is that you're taking away that choice. You're forcing System D upon the distro, right? And and that's what pe- that's what split people in the Debian in the Debian camp in two because some people don't care they say well system D's is great it all all of the technical arguments for it and there are some reasonable technical arguments for it and there are reasonable technical technical arguments against it but it's more of a philosophical argument that it's yeah. not doing things the Unix way it's not having plain text logs and well
0: but so. Um, Already Linux doesn't do things the Linux way, right? That was the whole point of the herd, was the herd is a kernel done the Linux way.
1: The, the Unix way, you mean, yeah.
0: The the microkernel, that whole, um, you know, the fact that, that Linux has a monolithic kernel, that's choice that, you know, you, you have to, you, you can't easily... Take stuff in and out of the kernel, and I know you can recompile with different options, but for most folks, that's not really an issue so this this in in a sense grows the base space that people don't have any choice about and and that's what the issue is I guess is the that when you put system d in there now there's a much bigger part of the the basic system that you're running that you don't have any choice over what it looks like,
1: yeah and Leonard Pottering, or Pertering, whatever you want to say it, he was fairly vocal or had at least mentioned his plan for, effectively, systemd slash Linux as opposed to GNU slash Linux. And slowly but surely that is coming to pass. And that's what people don't like. But that said, the average Linux Mint user is not going to notice the difference. As long as you turn your machine on, yeah. yeah, yeah, you turn your machine on, it works. That's what all most people care about. But it's it's the deeper philosophical arguments, and it's the fact that this homogenization and this lack of choice, and the fact that we're gonna end up down the road in another five years where most distros are, apart from theming and desktops and stuff, essentially the same as Red Hat, right.
0: You know, we've been talking off and on <clears throat> or or it has come up repeatedly on this show um, how, you know, having all these distros is not really good for Linux, that it would be better if Linux was a single thing um, in terms of adoption and, you know, people um, getting on board and, and and moving from Windows to Linux, for example. The problem is that Linux isn't one thing. So in a sense, this is a move towards Linux being one thing. Um, And I can see that that, well, that does reduce the amount of choices. And because we've also said on this, um, as we talked about this, that, well, you know, having all these distros, that's actually a good thing. Um, It doesn't uh, make it easy for new people to adopt the operating system, but it does make sure that, you know, you don't get locked into a particular direction and not have any choice over over things. Um, I don't know, Matt. You know, I th- I think, does this then devolve into now the choice on operating system for people is going to be, well, you can run Windows, or you can run um, OSX, or you can run Linux, or you can run BSD. And when you say Linux, it will mean all one thing. Basically, they'll all be pretty much the same. It'll be a Debian based Red Hat well there'll be it'll, it'll be red well it's going to be the app you know it'll be the package manager that will set the distro apart and maybe not very much else maybe the desktop environment but you'll be able to to mix and match them I suppose so
1: yeah but you see first, they came for our init system, and we didn't care because right. our computer started. Yeah, yeah. But the package management yeah. is next. Well, maybe not next, but it's certainly down the road in the next five years.
0: Yep. Yeah. And, you know, the issue also, the other part of this issue that's important is that your comment that, you know, most people are not going to care. And I think you're exactly right. Most people are not going to care. Yeah. But it's important in all these things to listen to kind of the the... Um, people who are deep in the bowels of the innards of the thing um, and listen to what they say because those are the folks who, you know, can see thing, see what's coming. They see this as the thin edge of the wedge that's going to destroy, you know, there has potential for causing great um, problems in the future. And the rest of us look at it and say, well, I don't really care one way or the other because we don't understand the significance of it and so listening to these folks who do understand the significance of it you know that's the only way you're going to know that is this really a dangerous thing or not Mm. you know i think the also the truth of this is that those are the people who are going to to solve the problem as well because the rest of the world the rest of the linux world even is just going to look at this and say hmm well yeah whatever it still works. I don't really care that much. Yep. Okay. So uh what's this next story? Tell me about what, what we're hearing.
1: I thought, the, I thought you'd I thought you'd put this in.
0: Oh ah, well. Uh this must be a Scott story then. That's what uh so the reason Scott's not here by the way, well, I guess we never really did say why Scott wasn't here. Oh, He's yeah. sick. He's uh under the weather. So yeah, I think he got what uh what you had last time. Probably, Uh, yeah. Or something. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. It must have been some electronic virus transfer or something. So, I'll tell you what, I'm going to skip over that story.
1: Yeah, I mean, I did read it and it was fairly interesting. Uh, It's just kind of benchmarks of uh, OS 10.10 versus Ubuntu versus um, Um, OpenSUSE. And it's quite surprising. This is all in the same MacBook Air and pretty much across the board. Linux beats OS ten in all of the benchmarks, apart from one. And it's kind of to do with the um, Clang and uh, GCC and stuff. So uh, it's, it's it's worth linking to. Um, I'll, I'll put the link in the IOC and uh, maybe stick it in the show notes. But there's, uh, there's not that much to discuss except for uh, the fact that it's pretty much a Linux win, which is always good.
0: That's always good to hear. I like the sound of that. I'm just having fun rotating my cube here to flip back (laughs) and forth so yeah all right and it's nice to know that if I were to be so fortunate as to have a MacBook Air uh, and I wanted to rotate a cube on it Linux would be the best way to do that (laughs) Yep, that's good to know all right well I think we're going to move on into uh, the main topic here um, and uh, this has got to be record time, like forty-five minutes in, and we're already onto the main topic. something some, It's the problem with Scott on us running yeah. along. That's clear. Yeah, what the problem obviously. Is, yeah. <laughs> okay. So the big news this week, of course, was the uh, the release of Linux Mint seventeen point one. And um, if you've been hiding under a rock, uh, Linux Mint 17.1 is a, another long-term support release. Uh, it'll be supported until 2019. Uh, comes, it adds some updated software, brings some some new features, um, but basically is built on the Ubuntu LTS uh, and uh, is another long-term support release. And so the the conundrum or the challenge that we've have been facing uh, the promise i guess or the thing that we're we're waiting for is uh, the that um the mint team has said by focusing by sticking on the LTS um then they will be able to focus more on the minty goodness bits and less on uh, all of the the stuff they have to do to track each uh, Ubuntu release as it comes along. And um, this, and so the promise has been, oh yeah, we're gonna backport stuff. It's not; it's gonna be better than being just sitting on the LTS, which is what they could have done, right? We could have just sat on um, on, a, on Ubuntu LTS just forever. So instead of doing that, they've said, no, we're gonna continue to put releases out. We're gonna update stuff, backport it. So um, this is our first look at that strategy to see Okay, well, how did this actually work out? Did did we get anywhere? So looking at... Uh, so there was a um, blog post. Uh, the first whiffer, whiff of this, of, that the RC was was on its way, uh, was on the Linux Mint blog uh, in the October 2014 news. So the so Clem uh, mentioned that uh, all the RC uh, ISOs had passed QA. They were getting ready to do it. And then there was a... Uh, shortly on the, the uh, heels of that, there was an announcement that, okay, the RCs are out. Um, the Mate edition is, um, is there. And then there was all sorts of uh, fun and games with uh, the RC. Um, issues with, you know, immediately as soon as they pop it out, then people get in the comments. And, uh, well, so a couple of things happen. One is uh, they, they start asking tech support questions in the comments and i'm thinking all right you should just ask tech support questions right um and then there's some back and forth but there were clearly some things going on with the rc um and then on the 27th clem announces ah, just a few more days so the iso images for cinema mate edition uh passed qa and were approved for a stable release should go public public in the coming days um and sure enough they did a couple of days later um Uh, they released it Uh, I got my pause there because Bill M.I. asked a question and I can't do two things at once but uh, so within a couple of days it popped out Uh, what it says in the the RC the comment on 17.1 is coming and uh, in the next couple of days it says uh, he says in there if you're running Linux Mint 17.1 RC you do not need to wait for the stable release and you do not need to reinstall you just use the update manager and install any level one update you haven't installed already. And then you'll be on 17.1. So I thought, oh, very cool. Okay. So I had a, a 17.1 RC Mate um, fired up and fooling with it. So I thought, oh, okay. So I went over and boom, ran it. And sure enough, there it is. It uh, it seems to, um, near as I can tell, it is 17.1 it's the same thing the rc transmogrifies into the into 17.1 when you just run the updates
1: yeah so this rc was very very similar to the final release it, it was a very successful rc as far as i can see there were very few bugs in it
0: yeah the uh i had like 20 about 200 megabytes of update after the reboot right from a clean rc install to um everything that was in there there was only a couple hundred megabytes and which is a lot smaller than you get on a typical, um, normal release, right? You Mm, just take the, the gold ISO and install it and you'll get that much of an update. So, um, and then a couple of days ago, um, they announced, um, that the, um, that the, uh, finals were out. The ISOs were out. Um, of course, uh, the, um, pre-release ISOs were also you know before that you can always go around and look around on on the internet and you often find uh, ISOs for the for mint uh, that are available before they're actually available on the mint servers and they don't publicize that obviously because they don't want to bury the place where they're staging them but um, so I did download one of those as well and uh, that's why I built the my cinnamon guy out of so um, okay so let's talk about how do you want to talk about this let's uh, let's talk about the mate release first
1: yeah okay that's what i've got most to say about it, so yeah
0: okay so we'll talk about that i'm going to go and look at the release notes here just to kind of <clears throat> talk about um what's actually in here so it's a, it's an lts release supported till 2019 um the they lead with out of the box support for Compiz. uh so it comes with two uh, window managers which uh, I was puzzled by for a while before I went and did some research on window managers and stuff. Um, one of them is called Marco. And so this Marco is what used to be um, Metacity. Uh, so it's a fork of Metacity, which was the min- window manager used in GNOME 2 um, and got sort of moved over or adopted um, by the Mate guys. Um, and in Gnome 3, of course, Metacity was replaced by a window manager called Mutter, which I don't know anything about because I haven't done anything with Gnome 3. So, so that's what Marco is. And so that's what has been in the Mate desktop as a window manager for the default window manager for a while. Um, also available though is Compiz, which, um, in the notes, it says it's an advanced compositing window manager, which add, which can do wonders if your hardware supports it. So, um interesting um comment. It my first observation about this is that if you're not um sort of a a wee bit of a at least of a guru, that discussion doesn't really tell me which one I should pick. You know, should I always pick Compiz because it if it'll run then it's always better and I should only pick Marco if Compiz won't run and how would I know if it would was running or um, so, you know, it's, I think that, and this has come up in the comments as well, that um, that it's not really obvious. First off, it's not obvious how to select which window manager you got. Um, it's not hard, but it's not, you know, for example, if you went to the Compiz settings, like I did right off the bat, there's nowhere in there that first of all tells you whether or not you're running Compiz at the moment or tells you, what to do to switch to Compiz. Although it does happily let you change the settings and do all kinds of fun stuff. So if Marco is running and you go in and change the Compiz settings in CCSM, um, good things don't happen after that. Um, Because that's what I did. I went in and, oh, I changed all these settings and couldn't see anything working. So I've got poking around a little bit more. Oh, I figured out, oh, it's not running. Okay, so I switched over uh went to the desktop settings in windows and selected the compiz window manager and then of course you have to log out log back in again and i have the missing window decoration stuff and so <laughs> i'm thinking okay this is not right so i go into settings i'm nothing in compiz is turned on everything is turned off there's no checkboxes there
1: That must have been because you were messing with it then before you... I
0: must have been messing with it. And so when I switched to it, it said, oh, you've already touched this, so I don't know what you want to do with it. So I didn't... Well, the problem is it didn't delete it. Anyway, so it it didn't work, whatever it was I had done. So um, I went in and I deleted the compass settings. um, And I can't remember where that file is, but if you dig around in the internet a little bit, you can figure out where the compass settings file is. And um, you delete that file, and set Compiz as your window manager, and then log in. It recreates it with a, a reasonable set of defaults. So what the way I ended up fixing it is, I had to go back to Marco, then I went in and deleted the Compiz settings thing. Then I switched to Compiz, and then everything started to work. So that whole workflow. Um, is just not quite as as clean as it might be, and I don't know whether that's a Compiz thing that that the Compiz configuration manager guy should really look at it at your system and say, is Compiz running? If not, then you don't need to be messing with. It. Then everything is grayed out. You can't change anything, or you can. There's a thing in there that says, okay, make Compiz the window manager. Yeah. That should be right. Well, hello. Then that would. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I'm trying to design the interface on the fly instead. We were talking about what was in the code. Yeah. Okay. So, what else is in the update? Um, the update manager changed. I don't know if you've looked at this very much, um, but it, they're, they've started to group packages together. Um, there hasn't been enough really come through yet that I've noticed to make yeah. me really notice how this is going to work. So
1: Yeah, a good good example is going to be LibreOffice because obviously that has got a lot of separate components and that's just going to be under one heading now rather than all of the separate bits. And this is supposedly designed to make you not break your system by updating parts of LibreOffice and not updating others. But most people surely just tick everything and don't... But, you know, who reads through and goes, oh, yeah, I'll have that one. Oh, but not that one and not that one, but I'll have that.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think uh, Mint has made it so easy with this one, two, three, four, five stuff that I have stopped really paying very close attention to what it wants to update. And when I see the the update manager thing go blue, I fire it up and I say, "Go, just update whatever you want." And I yeah. I don't generally change it. Now that got me into trouble on the the podcast in my studio box because i updated um mumble one time when i really didn't want to but generally that works so well that i just never even look at it so them grouping it together it's just going to appear that there are fewer updates yeah yeah i just never change any of those things so but so having said that i i still like the idea because anything that that makes it kind of less likely that i'm going to break the system when i'm just doing my regular stuff um, the happier i'm going to be the i don't know if there's an option in in the update manager i should have gone i just thought of this but if there was an option to say whenever you find um, category one two or you know category one updates just install them you know don't wait for me to To click on it and say, yeah, run it, install it, just install them. Um, I think that would be a nice next step because that's invariably what I do. I'm not really knowledgeable enough to be sure that, oh, no, I want you to not do that update of, you know, libw that you got in there. I don't even know what that is or if that's even a thing. But if you said we should update it, then we should update it.
1: So you're saying you want them to just automatically update things without telling you. Maybe they just could do it maybe just update the first Tuesday of the month. Maybe. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm I'm sure that's it, well, you know, it's been done before. I'm pretty sure somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it should do it kind of whenever it finds it and and uh mint particularly and, you know, maybe this is not a generally good thing to do for everybody, but mint I think has caught on to something with with categorizing these updates and and you know not selecting the four or five ones the things that are a little bit uh, um, possibly um, gonna have more of an impact um, I don't know this is uh, there's some of these things that that I think they could easily just go ahead and do you know the level one updates are supposed to be rock-solid security things that you should just always do So maybe there would be an option to say, um, yeah, okay. if it's a level one or two, uh, then go ahead and and update it as soon as it's available. I want all of those all the time. It's a level three update. Well, okay, that's supposed to. And I forget the detailed naming of what these things uh, actually mean, um, what the the package names actually mean. Um, Let's see. No, can't find it in time. Okay, so in any case, um, that I think would be a useful enhancement that a lot of people, you know, a lot of new users particularly, I think would find, um, you know, it says in the help, level one and two updates are risk-free. You should always apply them. Um, Level three updates should be safe, but although we recommend you take them, um, you maybe should look over them. So, level 1 are certified packages, tested and, or maintained directly by Linux Mint. And level 2 is recommended, tested, approved by Linux Mint. Level 3 is safe, but not tested, but believed to be safe. So, if you said, okay, level 1 and level 2, just go ahead and install them as soon as they're available. Level 3, I want to I actually ask about it. Um,
1: I don't know. I think it should just do it. Yeah. Okay, moving one, on. A, a, yeah, another new thing ahead. in the update manager, though, uh, yeah. is the kernels section. If you go to view, yes. you can see kernels. And there, and for some reason, this is only in Mate and not in the Cinnamon version. You have got potential kernels there that you can update to, including a much more up to date kernel interesting so for for example where you're running um uh 3.13.0-37 right. so you're on, a, on the 313 branch you can go as far as the 316 branch 3.16.0.25 right um and so you you can do that by selecting that kernel and then you reboot and then sure enough you've got that kernel running and everything's fine everything's working great despite the fact that uh, kernel updates are generally not encouraged in Linux Mint. Now, I always right. tend to go for a uh, disk upgrade and just, I, I'm hardcore, give me everything. So the, the the idea of updating with a GUI, to me, um, well, it's a bit noobish, really, to be honest. But <laughs> Well, this is a noobish,
0: you know, that no, no, I, exactly I, I wear that. that badge with pride.
1: Well, that, I was thinking about that today. Actually, you you shouldn't need to ever do anything on the command line in Linux Mint. It should all be in a GUI, right. including changing your window manager to Compiz. Whereas before in 17, you had to jump through some hoops. And if you're you know if you're really experienced, it's not that hard to enable it and get it running, um, as people have been talking about in the IRC. But this with 17.1 now that that is the the major difference with the Mate version that I can see is that that is now in a really easy to use GUI. Now you say that you kind of went about it the wrong way because you didn't follow the instructions. Right. But and that is arguably a UX design and all that problem and it should be made easier. But if you do follow the instructions in the release announcement, it is very easy. It's a case of a drop down menu changing two compers and then log out, log back in, and then you've got fairly same defaults. You, you know, it's just a case right. of uh, control out and left and right, and you've got a spinning cube suddenly. Yep. But, yeah. I mean, so like, had I
0: had I read the instructions, I would have had no trouble at all with it. That's right. Yeah. Like like yeah. me, I had
1: no trouble at all. Right. Or, well, except the trouble is that you, I, I don't understand why anyone would want to use Marte and Compiz at the same time because if you run in Marte, then surely you want it to be either on new hardware incredibly fast or on older hardware running well and the the only argument that i can see is the accessibility argument which i think bill MI i brought up which was that is zoom is the best and jonathan nado talked about it; it is the best accessibility zoom yeah enhanced zoom desktop and i, I used to use it back in the day when i had a p4 box uh, and I wanted to watch YouTube videos and iPlayer videos, which were flash. And if you full screen them, it was horrendous. It was stuttering all over the place. Whereas if you install Compiz and go for, uh, if you zoom in and effectively make it full screen, it was smooth because that's, it's hardware accelerated and got over that problem. So Compiz Zoom is brilliant. But from a day-to-day point of view, if you're running Mate, why do you want spinning cubes? If you want something well, flasher, go for Cinnamon or... So this is in. is
0: kind of bleeding over into the discussion about cinnamon, but uh, but that's an interesting point because um, I've got a, a this AMD eighteen hundred, which is a, a arguably a doorstop computer at this point, but that's kind of my offhand box that I use to test distros and that sort of stuff on. Um, and so I installed cinnamon on it, and it just barely works. Uh, and, and not because there's something wrong with Cinnamon, but it, it's, you know, there's lags on everything. It's really slow to use, uh, moving windows, everything a, is a challenge. When I look at the machine, um, Cinnamon is eating uh, between 20 and 30% of the CPU all the time. <laughs> um, and so there's just this huge background load of something going on to maintain the windows. So I f- so I fire up on Mate then so I'm uh, that's what I'm using right now on that box so I'm running 17.1 Mate with Compiz turned on, and it it runs great it it just flies the thing um, it does not you know I can't even when I look at my uh, my Conky display here uh, unless I'm spinning cubes and stuff um, I'm not using I'm not seeing anything. Top uh, a percent or two of the the CPU. There's just nothing running there. So maybe I, I don't have enough schwanky Kompis stuff turned on to really start to slow the machine down. But I've, you know, Mate with Compis is very good on old hardware, at least on this old hardware.
1: Well, I I tried it on my what is now my old test laptop and we just straight up Mate uh without Compiz was pr- fine perfectly usable with Compiz, it wasn't horribly sluggish or anything but i did notice a performance here i did notice things were that little bit laggier hmm
0: so i haven't noticed the difference between um uh, so i'm i'm comparing apples and oranges here but um this guy i've been using him for a while with uh min 17 xfce yeah and so that feels about the same they feel very similar in terms of responsiveness and you know how fast windows pop up i hit a terminal window Now, admittedly not the most resource intensive application you could come up with but uh you know it pops up like it always does Hexchat pops up like it does on uh on uh XFCE, you know, nothing is slower. It doesn't feel to me to be very much different.
1: XFCE and Mate, in my mind, are now equal. They're they're in parity in terms of performance. Mate with Compiz. Um, Because that's the comparison I'm making. Mate with Compiz and XFCE with XFWM4. Well, I've only really got experience, detailed experience and long-term experience with Ubuntu Mate 1410 and 1404 um, as compared to Zubuntu. And for me, there is no difference. It's it's purely a case of feature set now and, and bugs and stuff. But in terms of performance and my my brief experience of uh, Mate with comp is, I think that it is slower than XFCE and straight Mate. But then that might just be that hardware. I, I only really tried it on one laptop, so maybe if you've got, you, you know, it's, it's that old thing, your mileage may vary. All hardware can react in different ways, so. Yeah, it could sure be the that.
0: graphics card. You know, this is, well, this is an NVIDIA g 6200.
1: Right, it, yeah, it could be you then. Know, not, that, not a great graphics card. This is,
0: the graphics card's probably six or seven years old as well.
1: Yeah, but it still <clears throat> is But it's still probably got hardware acceleration. Exactly. And, whereas I was running it on um CPU graphics, so it's Right. That, and that'll is, be, well and I'm
0: running the Nouveau drivers, so it hasn't got the uh the NVIDIA drivers on it, but I don't know. Anyway, okay, so what else is in here? There's some language settings. Um they cleaned up that interface mainly. Um and they've um um enhance the uh um login screen uh some now i log in so seldom that well that yeah i was going to say the same like, thing i always uh, said well,
1: it to auto login so that the login oh, screen
0: yeah I, I generally don't i don't know why i don't but uh mine is not set to to log in automatically but uh, but
1: yeah it if even if you do log in then generally most people sleep their laptops and
0: yeah yeah that's i just mine just sort of sits and runs. this well these are both desktops so um yeah well anyway um okay so let's see um mint 16 17.1 gets security updates till 2019 until 2016 um the future versions of Mints will use the same package base as 17.1, so you're going to be able to to upgrade easily, just like going from 17 to 17.1 um, through 2016. So that's another whole couple of years uh, that you won't have to do a a nuke and pave install, um, and they're not they're not going to start working on uh, a new base until 2016. So uh, all those things, I think, are, are real positives for uh, for this release. Okay, so um, let's see. We've kind of wandered off into the weeds here. Scott would be appalled with us. <laughs> yep. So what did I do? Well, okay, so I installed, uh, went through and did the install. Well, I've got an old AMT uh, box that I believe the issue is it doesn't have SSE 2. And so the Ubiquiti Slideshow bug that has existed forever. Uh, I've been whining about this for quite a long time. I think it it goes back four or five years, this bug. Um, prevents it from installing. So I can't install uh, on this box with the slideshow bug. So I have to, before I run, before I, I install one of these, dist- an Ubuntu distro on this box, I have to do an apt purge ubiquity slideshow mint. And that gets rid of the the slideshow um package and then it installs just fine instead of the slideshow you get this ugly looking little box that doesn't really tell you anything you can tell it's installing stuff but you can't really tell very much about what it's doing but it works Uh, and if you don't do that then it gets halfway through the slideshow and the installer just exits but not really it's not finished and it didn't really exit I'm left with a spinning disk forever then it'll never finish um, and so I think Ubuntu is or the Ubiquity guys have just given up on this They've, they're not even trying to fix it as far as I know it's probably still an active bug uh, but there are probably so few of us still floating around that they just don't care
1: anymore it's not a big enough uh, market to really care about It's a simple fix, isn't it? Just to get rid of the um, Ubixity slideshow.
0: Yeah, just get rid of the slideshow. It's just that I have to remember to do it each time. And so I did it on (laughs) the RC and I thought, oh, maybe because it seemed to me that when I did Mint 17, it worked. But maybe not. That may just be me or it may have been some random thing that the bug didn't trigger on that version so i thought they'd fixed it yeah because i don't recall again. i
1: recall hearing about this a long time ago but i haven't yeah. heard you talk about this for ages now so yeah i, th- I thought that the last install i did they fixed
0: this but mm-hmm. um, anyway it's back in in both the rc i thought maybe there was an ag- a regression in the rc but now it's in the rc and it's in the main edition so um, and it's an easy fix um, it, it does highlight though that when you're working on a mint system you know how you do uh, sudo apt-get whatever. Well, on a Mint system, you can just type apt space and then whatever you would type afterwards. Yeah. Um, they've got a wrapper around it. Um, <clears throat> that it it's a wrapper around uh, apt-get and some of the apt uh, other apt utilities. So this. Um, or app dash whatever utilities so i've gotten into the habit of using this app thing and and it asks you for super cow powers if it needs some and and stuff like that so apt purge ubiquity dash slideshow dash mint is what you have to do okay so um, not many updates on the the either the mate or the cinnamon um ones when i installed it uh, I go and install all my standard stuff, right? So I put Synergy on, I put GParted on, I put Konky, and I put nmap, and I update inxi to whatever the the current release is. I go in and I I've got external dri- or uh, off drives that I mount, change my links because I I install all this stuff on 20 gig partitions, and so the first thing I do is I'll I'll in my home directory, I replace the documents file, or the documents directory that's there, with a, a soft link to a directory on the big drive. Do the same thing with downloads. Uh, copy over a bunch of common files that I use to start Synergy and that sort of stuff. Add, I create a bin directory in my home directory, add that to the path, all that kind of good stuff. And so all that went just fine. I didn't run into any trouble with any of that other than forgetting to do critical steps and bits and pieces like that um, get the system up and running well okay INXI minus S doesn't show MATE on this release I'm sure that they had fixed that but it it doesn't whatever the, the, the bash script foo you have to do to get it to spit out which version of MATE you're running uh, it doesn't work I get an NA um, when I when I looked for what desktop I'm running uh, overall, the system, as I said, is running really lightly loaded. Um, you know, it's with just that stuff running and no windows open and not doing anything. Um, it's sitting uh, somewhere around 2% loaded um, and using about 630 megabytes of RAM. And that includes comp is running and, and everything else. Um, so that now I hesitate to say that's not an, a blank as installed system that's with all my extra monkeying stuff so conky's running and synergy's running and you know all my normal goofy stuff is is running but it's my normal kind of resting machine um i end up with about 600 megs of of ram used can't even see Compiz or mate or anybody um on the the top list when i i look at it so um this runs really nicely for me and and is a a perfectly serviceable all day uh, everyday kind of operating environment um, near as I can tell that's mate with comp is running so Joe tell what was your experience installing the mate version
1: extremely uneventful yeah <laughs> is the answer to that much like most of the ubuntu releases and linux mint releases ubiquity to me because i don't have any odd hardware that gives errors it's got to the point now where it's just a no brainer i can i can install an ubuntu based distro while talking on the phone or doing something else because I, it's just ubiquity is such a brilliant installer and so for me i just got it all up and running no problem and used it no problem didn't find any bugs at all which I was surprised about and it just just completely works as I said before with is enabled it's a little bit slower but if you've got a decent machine then that's not really going to affect you too much and you'll end up with slightly flashier like when you minimize things you'll get a little animation for that but really it's a bit of a yawner which is high praise for me. As I've talked about Ubuntu Mate Edition, the the 1410 and the 1404, mm-hmm. I've described those as yawners and boring releases, and that's what it should be. There shouldn't be anything. Like when Unity came along and it was horrible. Or
0: Certainly the act of installing and getting the environment configured the way that, that you want to typically use it, that that's
1: the part of experience, the experience you want to be a yawner, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and for me, that is the panels in the correct place. Unlike with Ubuntu Mate, although that's easy to fix and just everything just just works really well. But for me, the elephant in the room and something that we haven't addressed and I I'd assumed that we would address before this point in the proceedings is <laughs> what happened to the backports that we were promised?
0: Well, okay, so, um, yeah, let's, let's talk I, about it. Because I made that. a
1: spreadsheet when I was uh, off work, sick with man flu, and bored, and I compared Mint seventeen, the seventeen point one RC, which from looking at the final release is no different. Right, uh, Ubuntu Mate fourteen oh four and fourteen ten, Zubuntu fourteen oh four and fourteen ten. It turns out that uh, Ubuntu Mate didn't do anything different or very few things differently from uh, the the mainline Ubuntu. I also compared Arch as it was, and this was the 17th and 18th of November, so a little while ago when the RC dropped. Uh, so effectively when 17.1 went into freeze. Um, and also just, I happened to be looking at Evolve OS, which is um, what iKey has been up to, which is uh, oh, it's right. only Alpha yeah. 4, so that's... Um, it's not really relevant. It's not a, by his own admission. It's not a usable desktop. But I was looking at it anyway, so I thought I'd look. And if you if you look at the the version numbers of the software that's available, it really doesn't look good for seventeen point one. I mean, don't get me wrong. Seventeen point one, both the Marte and the Cinnamon editions are perfectly fine, perfectly boring. And I could easily install it on someone's machine and probably never hear from them again because it's just going to work. However, I thought the whole point of this staying on the 14.04 LTS base was so that they could do things like backport versions of LibreOffice. Now, I pick on LibreOffice because it is a, a prime example of something that you really do need to keep up to date. Now, I am obviously known, hopefully, for not wanting to change for its own sake. Now, I'm, I'm not particularly interested in the, the latest and greatest versions of everything, but LibreOffice is very important because of the way Microsoft keeps changing things and to, to keep up with file formats and everything. It is quite important to stay current with that. The, the other arguably very important uh, piece of software is the kernel itself. And if you've got new hardware, then you obviously need newer kernels to keep up with that new hardware. Now, that's not a problem for us, uh, as discussed. Mm-hmm. I mean, my my newest machine really is uh, a second gen Core i five. So, uh, any kernel from the, the last couple of years is, right, is fine. Right, it's going to be me. fine. Yeah, but there are people who are going out and buying new machines. Um, I actually, I think one of my my Vivo book might be slightly newer, but e- either way, I don't need the latest kernel um but if you look at the the software versions and i made a spreadsheet and i linked to it in irc and um maybe we can find some way of making it read only or something to put in the show notes but if if you look at LibreOffice, uh vlc firefox and thunderbird well that's kind of not really that that's going to be the same they're somewhat independent right. but pigeon transmission uh gimp um what else g parted all the same versions that were in 17.
0: Yeah, so the question, you know, comparing to Arch is probably um, the place to go look to see, okay, well, what's the the latest and greatest?
1: Well, I I think it's fairer to compare to um, uh, the Ubuntu 14.10 version. Ah, okay. Because that's where we are, aren't we? We're about six months on from 17. And so if you look at... um, uh, Ubuntu. Well, Ubuntu Mate fourteen ten. Um, the kernel they've got is a three sixteen kernel by default. Right. By default, which, so yeah, which is available in seventeen point one, if you go and you know if you go into the update manager and go to kernels and install it, and it advises you against it. But by default, you you are stuck on the same branch, and instead of a three thirteen dot zero dash twenty four, you're up to um dash thirty seven but considering that you're at three thirteen versus three sixteen it's that's a fairly big jump with uh, the the fourteen ten branch of uh, ubuntu's um and LibreOffice, instead of four point two point x um you're at four point point three dot x yeah and so uh, but again it's exactly the same version in seventeen as seventeen point one and the same with VLC, which is updated in fourteen ten in Ubuntu to actually a, a pre-release two point two, which isn't um, anywhere else. Even in Arch, they don't have that. Um, and so I, I just don't really. It, it hasn't fulfilled the promise that I had hoped it would. That um, it's it's perfectly usable, but they they haven't backported things like LibreOffice, newer versions of that.
0: So the the thing that is not clear to me is what they intended by the the comment that they were going to backport applications Um, and and how that was going to work Uh, like for example so 17.1 is out now could they now change like push a new version of LibreOffice out into 17.1 now Um, could they you know d- what what we've been used to with the way that these distros work is that with well, the way ubuntu's distro and debian i guess works this way as well is that when you install a version then all of these major programs like libreoffice and vlc the version that you get the day you install it is probably going to be the one that is in that that distro for the for its lifetime to get the latest version you got to go to the next next version um, I wonder if the, what they're saying well when they go to from 17 to 17.1 mainly what they're changing is mint related stuff and that they yeah, that, will. That's
1: what I was gonna say things like uh, mint install uh, mint nanny yeah the USB tools they have been updated but... so
0: that's what the rev from 17 to 17.1 means yeah, they're they're gonna upgrade cinema and they're gonna do mate, they're gonna do the mint tools, and they're and now they're gonna go back and okay, let's go look at LibreOffice four uh, point three dot x, but that won't come as part of the seventeen point one release. That'll come just as a normal update.
1: Well, I can't see how they can do that, but we'll have to see. I mean, I thought that we, I I hoped that we were going to get that with 17.1, but it seems that we're not. But
0: why is it tied? My point is it's not the the backports don't have to be tied to the version release, the dot release. Maybe the backports that they've been talking about are going to come, like they could have backported stuff into the base of 17 before 17.1 came out. They didn't. Mm. But they could, maybe they're they're trying to break it. So this is all, in a sense, is all 17. Yeah. The dot releases don't really count. They really tell you more about maybe a kernel update or maybe a mint system type changes. But the backports are going to happen more or less continuously through the life of 17.
1: See, I don't see that happening. Now, the evidence that I've got now from this 17.1 release is that we are stuck on the 1404 base, and it's only the mint stuff that we're going to change. That, that's going to change. And all of the, the other third party stuff, like LibreOffice, like VLC, like Transmission, is just stuck where, so it, where it's it is. So I think it's too
0: early to say that. I don't, I don't think we know that yet because I think what has happened with 17.1 is they've put most of their effort into Cinnamon and the mint tools.
1: Yeah, I mean, That's it where might all the... be a case of 17.2, then, when that comes, that we could get these backports and newer versions of labor office and stuff.
0: Well, but I I would hope we don't have to wait that long, because I think you make a good point. You know, the Ubuntu world, if we were on an Ubuntu base, if they hadn't taken this LTS approach, then we would have newer versions of a bunch of these major packages than we do now.
1: yeah. Well, no, no, surprisingly few, actually, of the, the packages that I generally use. I mean, I just picked, uh, I think, 15 or 16 thing things that I use regularly and right. just to see what what version numbers there are. And they, some of them um, have just stayed the same. And, and even in Arch, even haven't developed much. I mean, looking at GIMP, for example, that's only revved a little bit. Yeah. Um, even into arch, but otherwise across 14.04 to fourteen ten, and seventeen to seventeen point one has just stayed the same.
0: Yep. But so the LibreOffice is is kind of the big big deal in here, and and LibreOffice is also one from the little bit of poking at it I've done that's an absolute bear to compile.
1: Oh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't dream of it. <laughs> of course so, not. No, it's, well,
0: so the what they're faced with having to do is to try and, um, well, no, I guess they don't have to do that. I don't know if they have to do a clean compiled. So you have to get 4.3 point whatever of LibreOffice built to run on an Ubuntu 14.04 base.
1: Yeah, which is very difficult to do because of all the dependencies. And then you've got to upgrade everything else and then they've got dependencies and you end up just chasing your tail, trying to, to update, you may as well then at, at that point move to a fourteen ten base.
0: Well, that's interesting. Yeah, so that that's the real issue is, you know, can they do, um, can they can they move LibreOffice to four point three point? Well, so if I was sitting on fourteen oh four and I wanted and I went to the LibreOffice website and said, "Give me your latest stuff in a deb," that would not work.
1: Uh, well, let's see, shall we? I am on a 14.04. So it says um, uh, download version 4.3.4. 4.
0: There you go. That's what's in Arch. And so that's going to download a deb. Yeah. So the this is the, the difference between. And so if you do that and then you fire up the package manager, it will say, oh, there's an older version available in the repository. You should generally stick to that because it's better supported. Mm, yeah. Okay, so, um, but it is installable, right? So so I did, uh, this is how I put Synergy on. The version of Synergy that's in the repos is always antique. It's really old. So I always just go to the Synergy project website, download whatever the latest dev file is, and install it. And I always get this little remark that says there's an older one, and I say, no, I want the newer one, and I put it on, and it all just works fine. So what stops them from taking that package and just and simply putting it in the repos is just testing time they got to figure out you know when I do it on my machine I'm taking the chance that this is maybe gonna work maybe not gonna work well the mint guys can do that better than I can they can take that Deb that that uh, comes from uh, the LibreOffice project guys and they can figure out to put that into the repos and just put it in and so now it just installs as that's the standard package the only reason not to do that is if it breaks something okay so let's go figure out what it breaks so I'm guessing that when they talk about backports that's what they mean they're gonna take the current version now and somebody's gonna sit down and say okay how do we get this to work with 17.1. Ah, yes, okay, it breaks this little thing. Okay, we gotta do that. And so they make a couple of changes to the repo. And if there's a huge change, then they say, okay, well, we can't backport this. It's too much trouble. I'm guessing that a lot of the time, um, there's not much gonna break and they'll just do it. They'll just drop it into the repo and then it'll show up as a level three update. Yeah.
1: Incidentally, if you do download LibreOffice, you get a, I think, a TAR file with 52 separate DEBs in it, (laughs) all all of which, and if you try and install one of them, you just have unmet dependencies. So it's not uh, not not a Windows kind of, well, it's not Windows style, double click the EXE, yes, 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 done. Put it that way. It's a lot more complicated than that because you've got the dependencies and stuff. Neighbor okay. office is a beast of a program. It's so maybe
0: not. that is, and that may well be why they, well, no, that, but they didn't upgrade really anything from 1404. It's all, 17.1 is all the same version numbers as 1404, except for uh, the kernel is.
1: The kernel slightly ramped, but not much.
0: It's changed a little bit, but not very much. It's not even the 1404 kernel. But Um, most stuff is identical. So they didn't do anything, any of the backports. So I think the jury's still out on backports because I don't know enough about uh, exactly what they mean by by doing backports. And I don't know whether they were intending to do them off-cycle or whether they were intending to drop them into these dot releases.
1: Well, it's something I would love to talk to Clem about, about what, what exactly this new LTS strategy means for things like labor office and stuff
0: clem appears to be asleep at the moment he's not in irc i went and looked oh, okay sometimes he's in that deb channel but uh not not today but yeah um yeah he's i've been i've been hiding yeah clem has said something about kernel level has been hiding them forever yeah right mm. anyway so i think that's that is that's a good uh, i'm glad you brought that up joe i hadn't thought uh to dig into that but that you know that's the $64,000 question with this whole LTS strategy and the you know the because if you're not going to backport all these major things then I don't understand why people don't just stay on mint 17 forever
1: yeah why not just chuck the improvements to the mint tools into 17 into and seventeen
0: just let, and just be done with it. Yeah, don't yeah. don't bother revving it. Don't and just say, okay, we're not going to track every Ubuntu release. We're just going to be on the LTSs. That's so. If you want to run, if you run Mint, it's going to be like running Ubuntu on the LTS.
1: Yeah, but well, my conclusion for both of them, the Cinnamon and the Mate versions, are uh, pretty much that here you've got a pair of distros that are perfectly usable. Cinnamon is obviously heavier than the Mate. Edition and you have to have some pretty decent hardware to run it or you have to be coming from windows and Therefore, you know lower expectations. Yeah, even fairly sluggish uh, You know suppose you have got a a five six-year-old laptop and you put cinnamon on it if you've come from Vista to uh, To 17.1 cinnamon. It's gonna seem like it's flying, you know, right Uh, But either way you've got a pair of distros that are very usable Pretty much bug free from the testing. I didn't do extensive testing on them, but uh, no, they haven't been out long enough to really, for, yeah, you know,
0: do a lot of testing.
1: But yeah. but I, I did do a fair bit of testing on the the RC of uh, the Mate version, and that seemed to be pretty bug free. I mean, we had a look at uh, Ubuntu Mate fourteen oh four and found a, a fair few nits to pick in that. You know, a fair few little bugs, but uh, this seemed to be to have fewer of them. I, I, I couldn't name you a bug, in fact. It all seemed to work just fine. I mean, trying to... Uh, on Cinnamon, the Cinnamon version on my new Core 2 Duo, trying to watch a bunch of YouTube videos, it kind of got a little bit bogged down with Flash, but that's just Flash and that's rubbish, isn't it? Everyone knows that. Yeah, yeah. But apart from that, I mean, yeah, arguably, the Mato version and the Cinnamon version are a little bit more bloated, a little bit heavier than uh the the ubuntu versions but cinnamon i wouldn't really want to run on anything other than Linux Mint. i know you can hack it together and make it run on other systems but you know it's going to work well on uh, Linux mint so if you really like cinnamon there's only really one option right now and that's 17.1 mate you could argue that ubuntu mate is that little bit faster but i would say that this is that little bit slicker and that's not a surprise because you've got a dev team you've got a team that's much bigger than one person, Martin Winpress doing uh, Ubuntu Mate, But yeah. overall, very impressive. And the kind of stuff, the, the kind of distro that you can just put on someone's machine and never hear from them again, or, or not for six or eight months plus.
0: Right. Yep. No, I, that was my sense as well, that that uh, I like them both. Um, I I'm really interested to see um in in the next few days they will uh Clem will come out and talk about you know if you have a current seventeen and you want to go to seventeen point one um you don't have to do a reinstall they're, they're you just point it at different uh repos and and away it goes it'll it's an installing place
1: yeah um, that's something i i was um you said in an email privately yeah. to me that you were kind of disappointed that we didn't get a chance to test that aspect. That is something I really want to see working and see how smooth that is but from but looking at it and seeing the differences i I can't see it being a huge a, a huge task to accomplish really because you, the, there are so few differences between the the two releases
0: yeah there's a kernel change and a few mint tool changes but jay yeah, you're right it should be a relatively straightforward uh straightforward thing to do um so which is I think holds out great promise you know well this is I've I've waxed eloquent about this before so I won't do it again but this is what attracted me to LMD in the first place was this this opportunity to get off the reinstall treadmill and so you know if this has me reinstalling every three or f- two or three or four years um then I'm good with that because I'm probably going to change hardware that quickly. Well, maybe not, but in, in my dreams, I change hardware that quickly.
1: Well, completely off topic, but somewhat related. I recently finally updated my, uh, main desktop machine from uh Zubuntu 12.04 to 14.04. And that worked perfectly apart from messing up my FS tab and having to, uh, edit that to, to mount all my partitions. Otherwise that was very seamless. Hmm. And so I can't see myself needing to to change that anytime soon. And you know that's that's a first gen i3, so it's not a a, a huge beast of a box, but it's serving our needs as a kind of media center slash desktop, data hmm. driver. So the the this new Pave thing for me is only really to test things. Whereas on my uh, and similarly on on the laptop that I'm talking to you now, this is a uh, 1404 that was updated as well. And yeah, so, so that that would be nice if Linux Mint could get into that situation where you could just just do the update, the in place updates, and not have to back up and you know. Yeah,
0: which is what you know Mint's been recommending a full backup in Nuke and new can pave as the upgrade strategy yeah. forever now. But and we're
1: creeping towards that other way of doing things.
0: No? Yeah, well, Ubuntu and to be fair, Ubuntu has been that way for a little while. I've I've heard stories like yours increasingly over, over recent years of people saying, I don't do that anymore. I just, you know, I just upgrade in place and everything just works fine.
1: Yeah. Obviously you you back things up just in case, but at least you don't have to do that. uh, uh, You know, putting stuff back on it. Yeah. But you everything should be backed up anyway in an ideal world several times. to That's true.
0: That's my spider oak solution.
1: That's what that does. Just installs everything for me. So,
0: so closing notes on, on these, um, I quite like both of them. I think uh, we have yet to see the promise of kind of backporting and this not just being the same as being on the LTS, but um, this is a reasonably good start. I I, I like Compiz on Mate, and so I'm happy that that got in there.
1: And so we'll see. Any other thoughts? Uh, no, just... I think that we're going to come back to this ideally with scott's input as well because he uh he's a, a more of a cinnamon user and so True. hopefully next time the uh maybe the xfce version will have come out and certainly the update from 17 to 17.1 so this is uh, definitely not the end of our coverage of this
0: yep we'll have to talk more about it but uh i quite like these two anyway yep. all right well we got a little bit of
1: feedback to talk about let's
0: uh, jump in and do that You go away for a month and people stop writing to you. Um, I went back digging for feedback, and there's surprisingly little considering it's been uh, four weeks, so maybe we better not skip over stuff again like this. Yeah. Um, Okay, so a couple of, uh, uh, well, uh, one good comment on the uh, web anyway. Uh, Well, not that the other comments on the web weren't good. Uh, That's not what I meant. But uh, (laughs) one that is particularly relevant to our show this week. Uh, was from uh, uh, Anthony Vedible 110, who said, I really like the discussion about Ubuntu MATE and its impact on Linux Mint MATE edition. I'm excited to see that the MATE project is being used on another distro, and I feel as though that will only increase interest in the desktop environment, which I feel is well-deserved. For Ubuntu to have a MATE edition is a good idea, and if they had that at the start, then I may not have even gone to Linux Mint in the first place, which, of course, is your comment, Joe. Uh, I do really hope that Linux Mint MATE edition does not drop in popularity, uh, but that there are enough people interested in using MATE to keep both distros thriving. Um, Yeah, so I think the, uh, I hadn't thought about that angle of it, the notion that somebody coming in new to the Linux world and liking the look of the MATE desktop um, the chances are pretty good if there was an Ubuntu Mate that they would just use that.
1: Yeah, because uh, as discussed, Ubuntu is the name you know. We talked about brand, right. Big Bang Theory. It's uh, it, it's a huge brand. And that is why uh, Martin Wimpress went with Ubuntu. He, he could have picked any distro to, to put his Mate expertise to and form a new distro or a new spin. But one of the reasons that he chose Ubuntu, apart from the fact that it is a really solid base, is the, the brand awareness and the fact that yep. it was going to be popular. And But having used uh, Linux Mint Marte for a bit, it does feel slicker. And it's just not a surprise, is it? Because Ubuntu Mate has had uh, a 14.10 release and then a, a fairly swift 14.04 release. And I think that it's not really fair to judge it because it's such a newcomer and... It, um, It's a very small dev team that is presumably growing as the popularity of the distro grows. But Linux Mint does feel that's a bit slicker at the moment. But going (laughs) ahead, I would say by the time we get to the 16.04, that's when we're really going to be, you know, it's going to be a toss-up. And that's when, obviously, I was talking about does Ubuntu Mate render Linux Mint Mate version irrelevant? Well, now I've had a good look at it. I would say not yet but it could be if ubuntu mate carries on with the trajectory that it's got already then the writing could be on the wall for the mate edition of Linux mint i think
0: yeah i wonder if the if, if this will come down to the difference between um you know a six month release cycle that ubuntu has and if they can get that to where you know it's a it's a trivial thing for me to move from you know 1410 to 1504 to 1510 to 16 you know that it's just i just hit the upgrade button and it just does it and it's painless Um,
1: it's it's funny you talk about the the being a six-month release cycle to me it's a two-year release cycle with some kind of uh, betas in between i i don't see those nine month uh, supported releases as a proper release obviously i look at them and i check them out but to me it's LTS to LTS and you can do an in place upgrade straight from 12.04 to 14.04 and you will be able to do 14 to 16
0: so that's not the way that that ubuntu spins it though well, that's no, not that, the obviously... way their marketing works right and, no, and so but... if if i install if i happen to come and i say oh yeah okay i want to install this linux ubuntu thing okay what should i install well they're going to you're going to get the current one you're not going to get the LTS Because that's the one that is on their website, that's the one they're talking about, and they, so their, their marketing is all around six month releases. Once you've been in the Linux world for a little while, you figure out, oh yeah, I probably don't want to do that, that's a bad idea, I don't want all that garbage in between, all I want are the LTSs.
1: Well, actually, if you go to straight Ubuntu.com slash download slash desktop, I mean, if you go to Ubuntu.com, they don't even care about the desktop anymore. It's all about OpenStack and the cloud. Oh, yeah, right. But when you finally get to the Ubuntu desktop, (laughs) you've got in a lovely purple um, box, download Ubuntu desktop, Ubuntu 14.04.1 LTS, and then underneath it kind of almost grayed out is the 1410 so they're not shouting about the 1410
0: ah, okay i haven't looked there recently so i've yeah they, they really okay well that's good then that's a smart thing for them to do
1: it is if if you're yeah. a developer or if you really want the latest stuff but you don't want to have the hassle of arch then 1410 fair enough but they are recommending they're actually recommending 64-bit 1404.1
0: is their their release? That's interesting. Yeah. So I was going to tout that as maybe a potential advantage that Mint would have, but you know, if Ubuntu is doing basically the same thing with their um, marketing and their their messaging to people that you know the LTSs are the are where you want to really be, and you can do these other things if you want, but it's certainly not necessary. Um, that yeah. t- that does because you know that's Mint. That's one of the things that it has gone for. It. You know, you come along, you install it. Well, it's you're getting the latest version of different packages, assuming they do that. But you're on that LTS base, and so you, you haven't got the same
1: upgrade panes that that you would have, uh, um, or you would have had with Mint before. So mm-hmm. same thing with Zubuntu, by the way. That has the 14.04 above the 14.10, and as same with Ubuntu Mate as well. If you go to that, it says looking for the long-term release, uh, and then links to that. So they you know, they have long since realized that this, the nine month support, they, they don't really, I think that if Ubuntu and canonical and Mark Shuttleworth had their way and didn't want to lose face, then they probably would just go for the, just two years between them and, yep. and that would be it.
0: So turns out Bill. I was right all along. He's been an LTS guy forever. And we used to chuckle it at, at him being the real Luddite in the group that, you know, <laughs> he just sat on these old LTSs forever. Um, turns out that that's what everybody's going to do now
1: yeah I, th- I know some people are on a, a, for, a 10.04 server release still yeah that's just about supported so
0: yeah so uh over on the google plus steve clark uh, wrote in and commented uh the comments on podcasts resonated with me i've been doing a long commute for many years and got bored of radio i used to burn podcasts onto cdrw which was <laughs> a pain for longer shows yeah no kidding Uh, When I didn't have a way to use my old palm uh, before I had a smartphone. Uh, I knew about FM transmitters, but they don't work too well in London. Now I listen to loads of shows on tech, science, music, and comedy. Uh, We're in comedy, right? Yeah, that's, I think, where he's got us categorized. (laughs) Anyway, uh, some are professional. Others are done by people I know. I certainly learn a lot more than I would by listening to the radio. And it's fun, especially when I get a name check. So, Steve Clark, got a name check, man. I think we had read one of his on there
1: before, so uh, Mm -hmm. anyway. And it sounds like you're in London, Steve, so buy me a pint, eh? (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Oh, you can't buy one over here in Texas, I
0: guess. No, okay. (laughs) Uh, So Torin Torin Doyle wrote in. um, Also, I think, uh, no, this was in email. I got this miscategorized. Uh, Wrote in to say, uh, greetings to all at Mincast. Uh, For each of you, what is your number one favorite desktop environment? Text editor and web browser. Uh, And and Torren says, Mine are Mate, Genie, and Firefox. So what do you think, Joe? I'm guessing you're XFCE, uh, Nano, and Firefox.
1: Well, uh, on my server, Nano, yeah, I can't be doing with uh, Apex and stuff <laughs> And like all that this craziness, yeah. But on my local box, a, a graphical one would be G-Edit or Getit. I'm never sure. Oh, I'm G-Edit, so yeah. 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 But otherwise, yeah, XFCE and Firefox still. I do I find myself using Chromium more and more, uh, but still Firefox is the main one, yeah. Yeah, I'm probably the same, although
0: um, I may be... Uh waffling over well so on my lmde box i'm running mostly uh, mate but that's mainly because of the hardware it's running on um the that same hardware on Mint main edition i've been running xfce but i think i'm going to switch over switch him over to mate as well because i quite
1: like this the compass stuff um suppose and i gave you i said hey here's christmas present uh, a brand new ZenBook or a brand new ThinkPad that's got an i7 and whatever, what, what are you going to go for there? What would be your desktop environment of choice there?
0: Well, probably Cinnamon because on the on my little more capable laptop, that's what I'm running on there is Cinnamon and I quite like it. Um, and I'm not sure, you know, when I look at it and say, okay, well, why do I like Cinnamon rather than XFCE? Um, I don't really have a clear rationale for for why I like it Uh, that box actually I have the the cinnamon menu uh, the panel up at the top auto hiding and I've got docky on it and so it sits there and and, because there are only half a dozen programs I ever run typically on that thing and so they're all across the docky on the bottom across that plank thing and I almost never go up to the uh, to the cinnamon menu so, maybe it's just the way that I use it. I'll bet I. So, in that case, it doesn't matter which desktop environment I'm using. They're all the same at that level. If I'm not dealing with. If I'm interacting with the machine through docky mainly, and I'm not using the menus, then it doesn't really. They're all the same pretty much, right?
1: Yeah. Well, if you're using a the dock, then yeah.
0: Yeah. Because if, if you're using the dock as the menu, um, I suppose there are other differences. So I would probably end up on Cinnamon uh, if I had more capable hardware. That would probably be my choice, Cinnamon and uh, uh, G-Edit. I've used Genie a little bit um, for, I, I use it mainly for Python programming, although I also use Idle, the, the Python um, GUI directly for that. But that's because I'm working on the, the Pi primarily. And I go back and forth between Firefox and, and Chrome. Um, yeah. I'm using recently. I'm mostly using Firefox because I started to get the willies about how much Google knows about me.
1: <laughs> well, I, I recently used Chrome on Triscoll just to be a rebel, <laughs> you, just to get Flash working, just to say ha ha ha. I, I got did it. I proprietary, did it. Yeah. horrible stuff working on that, yeah. and I, I otherwise just Chrome in. But text edit wise, it's funny. You know why I use uh, Gedit, and that it's not really to do with features or anything it's just because in Zubuntu, they change or they seem to flip flop between uh mousepad and leafpad and I, I just got sick of I, just muscle memory you know um yeah. s- pseudo uh, edit uh you know FS tab. and so i just now i just installed gedit and then i know that's my muscle memory that, so it's that, that's going to really be f- there yeah <laughs> yeah it's not really a features thing it's just because it's easier to type that
0: yeah, I got using Nano, and I got in it's the same thing. I get using that as by habit, and then I'll want to copy and paste something in, and it says, oh, yeah, it's this command line thing. I can't do that easily here. You can do it, but it's I got to remember what the keys are." And so I've started to do the same thing, running uh, either well, running G editor. Um, let's see, is is that what's on uh, the Mate desktop? I don't even think G editor's on there. I think it is. The, I'm not sure uh, let's see what it just says text editor in typical
1: mate fashion so what is it
0: pluma pluma uh, yeah. which yeah. i believe is probably
1: i think that's the fork of g
0: yeah. it's a g edit fork yeah i think is what that is but uh yeah because it's a it's a mate it's the editor for the mate desktop but you could just rename it to be g edit and be done with it yeah yep Anyway, uh, okay, so moving on to website then. Uh, typically, or or suitably, we've got uh, 11 useful utilities to supercharge your Ubuntu experience. I was surprised to see that one of them wasn't uh, Linux Mint. But anyway, <laughs> you know, it's in the utility to supercharge your Ubuntu experience. Several of these uh, in this website were... Um, uh, Unity-related things that I looked at and thought, okay, well, yeah, I suppose you would need extra stuff to fix Unity and make it work. But uh, some of them were pretty good. Have you tried many of these?
1: Um, I can't say I have,
0: really. Um, The one that doesn't, that uh, caffeine, that prevents your your, uh, machine from sleeping. Okay, that looks like an interesting thing. Except if you go over to the Caffeine website and look in the comments, it says, oh no, it's easier than that. All you gotta do is run GLC, or, or VLC rather, and then minimize it and your desktop
1: won't sleep. Really? Okay. Hmm.
0: Hmm.
1: Anyway. But someone posted this in the Ubuntu Mate um, Google Plus group. Ah. And, and said that um, this is why Canonical's gonna go bust. And then, <laughs> he instantly sprang to action in defense of them and i i started trolling him a little bit today that was quite funny
0: so we will have to refer him to our website or our, our uh, podcast where we've made this the website of the podcast now yeah. yeah um and we even have a tip actually we got two tips I, I put in there the thing that i found on how to fix your um xfce window borders missing uh, on one bad day if you find your nice slick xfc desktop environments all messed up There's no window decorations. It can be because the window managers crashed. So here's the link to it and then Ted 10 said command examples uh, So this is if if you're you're a big said guy on the command line uh, Which you know, we did that whole episode. So I think it's a, a useful tool that a lot of people use Um it's got an interesting user interface. So this uh, website has has just ten examples of different things that useful little things that you can do uh, with sed. So if you're into that sort of thing, go have you know all these little arcanity things are are interesting to do. So mm-hmm. all right, I didn't get the announcements posted in here, so we'll have to dig up uh, show season and see what's coming uh, for next time um do you have any announcements this time hopefully we'll have have, uh scott back next time so he can keep us on track
1: yeah uh no not not much to say i'm afraid not much to say
0: okay well um as always we are very grateful to k wisher and the piecaster um there was some chat this week on the uh, irc off and on uh there was a group that was advocating that we give the piecaster our big raise uh, it actually started off as a, the, a, they wanted a raise for um, Mintbrain, the IRC bot. And I resisted for a while and then finally agreed to a 10% or 20% raise, I think, for Mintbrain, assuming performance continues. Um, and we agreed, we all agreed amongst ourselves that we were going to double the Mintcast or er, er, the Pycaster's uh, um, salary. So uh, you can look forward to that in the check. In the Oh, wait, no, there is no check. Uh yeah, well, anyway, we are very appreciative of uh, of Kevin and all he does to keep the piecaster up for us, to keep the stream running. Uh, likewise to John Newstetter and the Mumble server that we camp out on just freely as if it belonged to us. Uh, we would not be able to uh, do this podcast without that uh, Mumble server, so we're very much appreciated, and I'm pleased that there are folks around the community like... Um john that keep these things up and running and of course to the mint development team for the distro we love to talk about and so i guess that's going to about do us for this uh this week joe final comments anything you w- we got a caching in so we don't have to do that uh, yeah, but don't have to do that uh, definitely uh, head on over to the listen to the luddites um okay. we have our schedule deliberately and off weeks so that you got something to listen to every week yep so we're very much worth doing all right well we will see you all in a couple of weeks then. Take care. See you later. This has been another episode of Mintcast. The show notes for this episode are at www.mintcast.org. You can send us email at midcast at or leave voicemail at plus one eight three two five one four two two seven eight. That's eight three two five one four cast. You can find more information on Linux Mint at www.linuxmint.com. You can follow both Mintcast and Linux Mint on Twitter at Mintcast and at linux underscore mint. Thanks to Mark Blasco and Oscar for the podcast music, and thanks for listening to this episode of Mintcast.